0: hey guys welcome to episode 13 of next on the platform this week i'm joined by my friend josh takua uh josh and i met a little bit over a year ago just at a local powerlifting gym and today he has hopped on the podcast uh and i'll let him introduce himself
1: hey thanks for that man um yeah i don't know there's not too much to introduce about myself i uh I'm 28 years old, turning 29 this year, so I'm getting on in life. Uh, I have been competitive powerlifting since 2012. I think it was my first local meet. It was nothing serious, but that was the first time I lifted. Um, born and raised in Wellington, New Zealand. So I've been there for, uh, so I was born there and then I didn't move to Australia until 2017. So I've been lifting in Australia for a couple of years. I started in the IPF. Uh, I guess it was just the federation that my gym was affiliated to uh, and then just came up through the ranks and then I moved over to Australia. Still lifted for IPF up until the there was a big split and um, IPF kicked out the Oceania section of powerlifting. Um, and so there was a huge divide. There was massive politics. It was a massive shit show. And uh, I just ended up with Powerlifting Australia, which is the World Powerlifting Affiliate. Uh, and I only went with them in, in regards to having access to, uh, sort of equipment and competitions. It was just easier for me at the time. Um, and I just wanted to lift. So yeah. So now I am lifting uh world power lifting so far. I don't know what's going to happen coming up. Um, but yeah, so training at a zero gold coast, uh, and yeah, man, that's that's pretty much me. Mm.
0: Um, you coach yourself, right? I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause I just been mm. looking on your Instagram and lately, like you've been hitting some nice deadlift PRs. I saw, a. um, 305 kilo paused double uh and from memory that's pretty close to your max so you must be making some pretty good progress just based off that
1: yeah deadlift has always been my my strength i suppose um of late i think the biggest change that i've made so i was on this massive climb i think in the past five years leading up to was trying to pull a 300 in competition um at either 74 or 83 kgs. Both of those, a 300 kilo deadlift would've been massive for me. And so at the time leading up to then, I had always been higher volume deadlifting um, and not much variation in terms of like accessory lifts for deadlifts. And I think the biggest change for me was to drop down the number of times I was deadlifting a week, drop down the like dial back the intensity and volume for each cycle. Um, and add more accessories in there. and it seems to have worked really, really well. So yeah, a lot more pauses um, at submaximal weight seem to have transferred really nicely mm-hmm. for me.
0: Yeah, okay, so um, and do you have a competition coming up because I, I saw uh, you posted a story, you're you're swapping to the APL, which um, for you guys that don't know, is that right?
1: Yeah, APL. Yeah, yeah.
0: so for you guys that's that right. don't know, that's the deadlift bar squat bar Federation in Australia, just like the I think it's the USPA in America. Um, So that's the Fed that I'm in. And what was the decision to swap over? Uh, How come?
1: Yeah. So again, the biggest decision, uh, the the biggest thing for me was just having access to competitions. Um, I think it's hard in Australia at the moment in regards to having enough lifters in each federation for it to be competitive for everybody. Because on one hand, powerlifting is like an individual sport. And people always say, I'm just competing against myself. Like, I just want to get better numbers on the platform. And for me, yes, that is a big part. But the thrill of competing for me is the actual competition part. Like, I want to go neck and neck with some other dude that's like possibly going to each me out. And it's kind of just that extra driving force. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think for me, it was a couple of things. It was one, having access to competitions at the right time for me. I guess I've moved to a point now where I'm also, another big change in the past couple of years I've made is Instead of just picking a competition and making my training fit around it, it was more making competitions fit around my training. Um, And I think that's also been uh, another reason that my numbers have climbed up quite significantly, I would say, in the past 12, 16 months. Um, So this APL comp has popped up. It's in Queensland. It's at the local gym. So I'm not going to have to travel. I'm not going to have to worry about, um, like, quarantine and COVID and all that kind of stuff. And as far as I'm concerned in Australia right now, Queensland's probably, like, And the least amount of danger of things going back into lockdown so Mm, yeah um and then there's prize money on the line so Mm. yeah those were the biggest that's (laughs) a
0: big that's a big thing like and we're seeing it with the ipf and uh, i think it's the showdown meet or something that that that's happening in america right now um Mm. and the incentive to move away from the ipf and towards the Mm. other federations whether it's untested or not uh simply because of the prize money and i think uh, like you said um there's probably no one in Australia that could com- uh, compete with you right now, uh, as far as I mm. know, in the 74s. Uh, so why not move to the federation that has prize money? And I think in Australia, like just because of the size of powerlifting as a whole, it's not that big uh, at the moment. And then if you narrow it down even further to Australia, uh, a small country, a uh, small population, sorry, it's um, it's even smaller. So to have it split across three, four, five you know because we've got apl apu pa and then big dogs mm. and wrpf whatever it's called um yeah man. it really takes out the competition so like even for me there's not even anyone in my age and weight class and i'm only young yeah. and and i mean so yeah i totally understand the incentive and obviously local gym and stuff um yeah. but yeah i think that's uh, it doesn't help at all that we have so
1: many federations and the sport just isn't that big yet yeah for sure man yeah Mm -hmm. i think lifting is also one of those things where meets are exciting for everybody because you get to lift against people that you know and this is part of the thing i know we'll probably touch on social media a little bit later on but like you see guys lifting up so like let's use australia australia as an example i know guys in different states that i would love to lift against Mm -hmm. and it's not often you get to lift against them so when you get together it's kind of like this yeah, I want to beat this guy, but like, this is fucking awesome that I get to lift against a dude that's like near, you know, my talent, and we can build that sort of friendship and camaraderie. Because for the most part, I think powerlifting is a very individual sport, from like the training and to the meat prep. Like, it's it's a it's a lonely sport if you want to be at an elite level, you know. Mm. Um, so when you do get to finally meet people that are around your same skill level, you understand that they've made similar sacrifices. You know, like we're all in the gym five days a week, training two, three hours, you know, like not everyone knows what it feels like to be like that. So when you get to go and compete against people that understand what you've been through to get to that point, it just makes it so much more fun. And you might not know them for a bar or so, but like you get together, you lift, you see them put out, you know, the numbers that they put on platform, you go head and head. And by the end of it, although it was a competition, it's like you build this friendship with people that are passionate about the same thing that you are. Um, And I think that's just a really cool, that's what I really enjoy about competing.
0: Mm. I'm just trying to rack my brain in Australia right now. Who would even be able to like come close to your total in a competition? Cause in my head, I thought maybe Stephen day, but then I'm thinking that you're quite like quite a little bit stronger than him. And he's a 74. Mm. I think like who could, who could contest against you?
1: Honestly, man, I, I don't know either. Mm. Since I have pretty much lost sight of, Everyone else is lifting. And I i don't think it was a conscious effort, but just everyone's training just seemed real boring to me. So normally what I would do is there's like a couple of guys that I follow and I would just keep up with the progress, see how they're tracking. The problem with that, when we went into lockdown that is that no one was actually prepping for a competition. And so I reckon a lot of people that were, I think, smart, I think it was a smart move. A lot of people moved to going back to building a foundation and base. Mm. Uh, whether it be hypertrophy work or uh, more volume, more intensity, because why would you peak in isolation if you don't need to? Um, Because uh, personally, I think peaking when you don't like peaking too many times is, is counterproductive to you in the long term. Like there are only so many times where you can effectively peak and hit a PR in your life, in your lifting lifetime. So I don't think that it's wise to waste that in situations that you don't need to, different conversation. But yeah, so since one went into lockdown and everyone's got limited equipment and their gym and everything like that. I kind of didn't really, uh, like it just became disinteresting to me. Like I, I don't really care what numbers you're hitting for AMRAPs and stuff like that, you know? So um, to be honest, man, I, I honestly wouldn't know. I know that my biggest competition uh, right now is a dude over in Nauru, his name's Tagger, and he is strong, um, but he is inconsistent with his lifting. So sometimes he has an incredible day. And other times he will just bomb and you're like, well, mm. that, so yeah, honestly, man, I, I, I don't really know.
0: Cause everybody like now that I'm thinking about it, everybody wants that, uh, Sean and Russ camaraderie that, uh, you know, one first and second place, but, um, and in America, a lot of people might have that because you have the collegiate nationals and you have like the, the high school comps and all that sort of thing. And it's like a, it's much bigger over there, but in Australia, I mean, it doesn't really exist to that extent. I don't, I honestly don't know. I haven't heard of anything that extreme, you know, like everyone, everyone talks about Sean potentially beating Russ or Gibbs potentially being Russ if he wasn't injured. And, um, it's, yeah, it, it is, I, I want to see that in Australia. I want to see the sport grow, um, to the point where there, there is, uh, rivalries like that.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I'm sorry. I'm gonna flip my camera on here. Um, I was having this discussion, um, this discussion with uh candido over dm a couple weeks ago and i have this with quite a few people in regards to the environment that you are when you're powerlifting and Mm -hmm. i think the reason that the us is so hyped with all their lifters like you've got that like you say, the russ and the thing going on it's because that's naturally what sports is like over there Mm -hmm. and i don't think just in powerlifting i'm thinking if you think about the nfl right You've got teams, and you've got drafts, and you've got say like fifty players in a team. Every single week that team goes out to play, those guys are playing knowing that there's someone else that can take your spot, like in the roster, right? You string a couple of shit plays together, and you're gone. Uh, and so there's always in an America, and I honestly think this is for every sport in the states. The big, the big one. So you got uh, football, uh, baseball, hockey, and uh, basketball. Mm. You and if you follow like ESPN or whatever, you'll always see them like putting up stats on certain players. And if players like don't hit their stats, then like it's quite likely that they'll get benched. Or someone else they'll bring up a junior from the NCAA or whatever, and it'll come and take their spot. But there's this culture in the US of like someone's going to take my spot, and that's huge over there. And so I think it really drives them um, to get better. I think over in Australia that is lacking incredibly. Um, we have this complacency. And I, I very often reference the NFL, right? The NFL is full of players, but once you make the team, like those guys have just got it made. Like they don't need to really push in the season. Like the worst that they'll have is like they'll get benched for a couple of games, maybe. But then they're still on the roster. But like, there's no sense of urgency to get better. And I think that really trickles down into the powerlifting world where people get real complacent because it's a small sport at the moment you know people are chasing like real shit records and like the sub juniors for like i don't know uh, they're not even like records mm. that are set
0: no i know it's you standard. i know what you're referring to. like not someone in particular but i do know what you're referring to there are like plenty of records yeah. that are like and like even like fuck the ones that i like recently got they are nothing because they weren't even records they were just standards that no one had even yeah. hit so i wasn't taking it from someone I was setting it, yeah. which is sad because like, to be completely honest, I'm not that strong yet. So it's like, it does, I was happy that I did it, but it's kind of sad. It's like, like, you know, I just want someone to be better and for me to have someone to chase. Cause right now, uh, my age and weight in Australia, there's no one in my, like, there's literally just no one else in my age yeah. and weight. So it's like, it is kind of it's demotivating
1: yeah man it's almost like you just need to choose when you're like oh yeah maybe i'll try and break my record this time that's mm. yeah there's just a severe lack of competition and i think it's just the mindset that people go into powerlifting with and maybe because it's a hobby sport where you don't necessarily need to push yourself right it's like um yeah like you say it's, it's demotivating like if i knew that there were five other guys at my next meet they could potentially like out turtle me <clears throat> i'm gonna be training so much harder mm. but like when you don't know any names, if you can't even pick a name out of a hat and be like, oh yeah, this guy might be at Nats, but like, I don't know who he is. Mm. Yeah, the, the most you can do is like, look them up on open powerlifting. Yeah. But even then, it's not inaccurate. Yeah. And I've, yeah. Cause once you, no, yeah. right, sorry, you go. <clears throat> I was saying, once you, once you learn lifters, it's, it's awesome. Like once you know a lifter is there, mm. you're like, almost like you have a history with them and it's kind of cool. And the more times you meet them in competition, the more hyped it gets. Right. Mm. And that's how you, with competition you know people that have competitions with like um you know russell and and sean you know and even i remember back where there was like uh you remember gibbs and hack when hack first came in 83s so i remember that was massive hype mm. um but like yeah it's just not non-existent when you don't know anything about anybody it's kind of like you turn up to a meet and just not not knowing anyone's know, real i don't know it's sad but you're like oh this isn't exciting as it could be
0: yeah no, I know you're yeah. talking about like, um, that's I guess one of the things I like about the, the hybrid showdown and all that is like that sort of hype and, and that untested side of powerlifting. Um, it certainly does help the sport grow and its personalities mm. like Russ um, with, and it's a, it's, it's a bit of a topic with Russ. It's like what he's doing, it's kind of like quite mainstream fitness where yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't really interject in any powerlifting stuff. Like, um, you know, like I see Sean and he's always like talking about this and that and it's quite relevant. And, and to yeah. me as a powerlifter entertaining, but Russ is just like off talking about anime or what, like, you know, whatever, the, his new shorts <laughs> yeah. that are coming out. And it's like, um, that yeah. kind of annoys me because he's the top 81 and he is like that yeah. dude that everyone wants to look like because, you know, you know how it looks um yeah and obviously being strong in that but he doesn't like i don't want to say he's not giving back because he is through his gym and his brand but like i feel like he could help it grow quite a bit if he was more involved in the culture of it and that's not like a hot take i don't know if that's saying an opinion that i share with others but that's just how i feel about you know i feel like people like russ could help heaps Mm. but they like choosing to stay out of it which is cool if he likes to stay under the radar with his um how he feels about stuff and that's fine but mm. yeah that's just how i sort of view that sort of thing
1: yeah that's yeah i don't know that that's an interesting take i because i watch his youtube whatever and he was saying that in a lot of his youtube videos that he just posts stuff but he doesn't really read stuff mm.
0: yeah that's how i that's exactly part, right.
1: yeah yeah so in part i think it's well, I mean what just going off what he says, it's mainly like he doesn't wanna bother himself with like the shit talk of the community. Cause obviously, you know, online there are so many keyboard warriors and you're never gonna be able to stop that. And everyone's always gotta have something to say. And honestly, I can imagine Russ being called out for being petty natty all the time. Like I reckon there's probably like a million comments every one of his videos posting like this guy's not natural.
0: I mean And to be honest,
1: I would get pissed off at that too I mean, while.
0: honestly, like fine he's in the IPF they can test him whenever but i comp- i completely understand where people are coming from when they're skeptical of him cuz the way he looks year round and how strong he is like i believe he's a natural yeah. cuz he competes and and like they can do the random yeah. testing or whatever but to yeah, someone yeah. who wasn't familiar with the drug testing uh the way they do it like yeah. i can understand where they're coming from cuz it does seem unattainable but i mean there's always yeah. there, there's always that outlier
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's and I think um, there's one guy. Do you know Josiah from Zero? Uh yes. So I always have this conversation with him because he's he's completely convinced that Russ is a hundred percent on gear, mm-hmm. um, and I, I understand it. And he's super passionate about this. But mm-hmm. I think it's funny how strength sports uh, is probably like as a pal in the powerlifting pal- community. Strength sports seems to be the only sport where people don't accept genetic variation right mm. it's like if you were to watch the nba and see lebron james no one's like oh that guy's on steroids because he's <laughs> so fucking cool. like no one says that you know mm. and it's not like you watch uh you know don't watch the footy and you're like fuck that guy's real fit you know he's mm. definitely on it's like as soon as it becomes like a matter of strength and like aesthetics especially and i feel like that's the big everyone gets caught up on especially coming from I know like if you talk to people that are not really well versed in the fitness industry, how anabolics work, how doping can work, the biggest giveaway giveaway for people is how someone looks. And so, yeah, I totally think that Russ is not netty, but like, again, genetic variation can do freaky things. Um, and even if you like go through the Guinness world book of records and you look at like the dude with, I don't know, like the longest fingers or like, you know, it's, it's just weird. Yeah, like yeah. the human sort of mutate in certain ways, but like, mm how much you accept that is really up to you.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, because I guess to some people powerlifting is like bodybuilding's little brother or little cousin. And it's like, we sort of stem from that. And like, it, it would be probably fair to say that powerlifting is, has come from bodybuilding uh, somewhere down the line. Um, And in bodybuilding, it's a given like there's more, Mm -hmm. there's more untested comps, you know, whatever untested, whatever they call it where, you know, where there's like, there's only a few, uh, there's probably only a few really famous natural bodybuilders, whereas there's the whole, all the rest of them are untested. So I think people, um, people on the outside look at bodybuilding and powerlifting as like the same sort of thing. It's like those guys in bodybuilding are obviously on steroids because look at them, Mm -hmm. um, guys like Arnold and all that. And then it's like, oh, well that guy over there is on a different type of steroids that makes him really strong. And, and then Russ has gone and he has the best of both worlds. And so, yeah, that sort of thing. But, um, I feel like one of the, and I have literally no idea about steroids, but I'm guessing one of the big giveaways is, um, probably like a drop off in strength closer to comp when they would be theoretically like coming off cycle so that they could beat the drug test. Like, I don't know how that works, but is that something that can be done?
1: Ah, uh, yes and no. So this is, again, this is where it's really difficult because it depends what you're running in gear. Um, like, I guess there are a few standard agents that you would take in terms of like, anabolics are like the biggest thing, right? So mm. uh, I think it's really hard to beat testing. I honestly do think it's really hard to beat I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is hard. And like, you still hear about people that get done for doping Three or four years later. Uh, I know when Gibbs won, uh, Gibbs' uh, first year in the Opens was in Finland 2015 Worlds IPF. Uh, he lost out to some, oh, where was it from? Maybe Brazil. I don't know, some random country. Anyway, he got the gold, Gibbs got second. Uh, and then it only came out maybe like a year or so later that the guy had been doping. So it's not like a instant test. And I definitely think, uh, not everyone gets caught that, and that's the that's the big argument about doping right it's like people get real fired up when you say oh like this guy's natural because he lives in a, a drug tested federation and i always say always say drug tested is never a hundred percent there are people that know how to cheat doping and there's always new ways of cheating it um so you're never really going to be a hundred percent sure on if someone is natural or not. I and mean, we can have these look at look at the olympics it would, be, yeah.
0: it would be ridiculous yeah. to assume that those guys were natural and not because I have any idea what the best natural shot putter can do, but it's like, well, wouldn't someone just find a way to beat them on stuff? Exactly. It's like you would be naive to assume that someone wouldn't attempt to get to... Because there's always people that want to do that in anything in life. Um, there's always yep. someone who wants to go have the short card and do it the easy way. I mean, of mm. course, you know, and people you'll say yeah. that i've said that to someone before and it's like no it's not it's the olympics of course they're not on drugs and it's like are you serious like oh, <laughs> and i mean and it's, <laughs> you got no like, idea yeah and i mean you sort of have to have some sort of background knowledge to even because some people's brains wouldn't even go there it's like oh it's sport it's the commonwealth associated thing it's like they wouldn't allow drugs and it's like no they don't allow drugs but you it's there's like a whole thing behind the scenes and i guess you i guess you have to your mind has to go there from some, something else like powerlifting or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah so see. the yeah. argument that he competes tested, I don't I don't think that's valid enough. Um, yeah. But, but I, I've heard generally the IPF is good with the random drug test. Like one of Russ's YouTube videos I watched, it was like, oh, they turned up on my door and... I mean, you could argue that that was like a stunt for the camera or whatever. Like you could say that sort of thing, but I believe I, I trust him and, and, and I believe that, you know, because like Sean isn't that far behind and Brett, uh, Brett Gibbs wouldn't be that far behind him. I mean, I honestly think Sean has a good shot, if not his best shot at at beating Russ this year. Um, Sean's Mm. has been blowing up lately. and, And then obviously the deadlift and bench are still trending nicely for him. And I'd love to see him be with us. Um, What I was going to ask you, is there a reason that you wouldn't go 83 and try to contest against those guys?
1: Uh, No, honestly, there's no reason that I wouldn't. Um, I I think last year I just went through a phase where I just got so fed up with federation politics. Mm. So frustrating. I was... I was back then I was torn between, like I said, I I was torn between staying with IPF when the split happened and all that. And purely, I was just trying to go to comps where I could get good competition, where I knew guys, where I knew I was gonna have fun at those meets. And uh, it just turned out to be a massive shit show. Um, There were hoops to jump through, things I had to do. I had to compete in smaller comps to, you know, that I had to compete in smaller comps that were unrealistic for me to compete in. Like I'd Mm. have to travel to do certain things. Um, and at the point in time, I was speaking with people from different federations. So I was speaking, you know, um, to people from like, you know, the NZPF or IPF or or world powerlifting, or, you know, I was talking to different people and, uh, it just came back that just no one really saw eye to eye on anything. And, uh, they wanted me to do certain things. They all had their certain agendas. And so I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to do it whatever is best for me because right now I can't put up with all the stuff. And, you know, when the split happened, people weren't, you know, people from other federations were getting real offended that other people were leaving. People were like, Oh, you can't go to that federation. You know, like you need to stay here. Mm. Um, And honestly, man, yeah, I just didn't, I just had run out of time and energy for it. And I just want to lift and I just want to get stronger. And that's generally all I care about. And I think if you're going to hold a vendetta against someone because they move federations on you, then mm. you're the I can I
0: like see. That. I can see yeah. a big shift possibly happening this year, like we mentioned before with the hybrid showdown or whatever they're calling it. Um, mm. Because what looks like it's going to be an amazing meet, like an untested Sheffield, essentially. Um, more like yeah. the pe- people's favourite rather than Wilkes or IPF favourite, whatever it was at Sheffield. Um, mm. and I can see a potential shift after that when it's like, Oh, this, because it's going to break the internet when hack and all those guys do all that crazy stuff that they're going to do there. Um, and then mm-hmm. the companies are going to see the opportunity for sponsorships and advertising. And because that's how I believe the sport's going to grow and it's going to be through, uh, advertisements and stuff. Um, and I'm just mm-hmm. comes to mind what Sean and Johnny said about the bench press rules, potentially helping the sport grow. I, I mean, that's, Whatever, but I think the big thing is going to be through sponsorships and meets like the Hybrid Showdown, uh, because yeah. people people who don't compete in the sport, I don't think they necessarily care about tested or untested. They just want to see more weight being moved, and the way that the, the way that the yeah. I think it's the USPA, the way they set their meets up is just generally more appealing, uh, because it's that whole culture of like, because the IPF, the IPF is very neat and pretty. And it's like mm-hmm. don't don't sniff ammonia in on camera or in, in front of the crowd or you know and and <laughs> yeah. it's those other feds that you know they see people back slaps and ammonia and it's like sort of crazier and it's more hyped and at least that's how I imagine it's going to be, um and I think that's the sort of thing that's going to help the sport a lot, and I think yeah. once that meet happens, and I'm not saying people are going to start shifting to untested so that they can take stuff, but I just think, um the fact that someone like Sean is going to move because mm. he has such an influence, I think people are going to go, Oh, well, Sean moved and he was number two. Mm. I'm just number 35. So why don't I move? And it's going to be that sort of thing where we see a transition from mm. away from the competitiveness, competitive necessary of IPF to the more fun aspect of, those other feds and i'm not obviously there are some people who won't move because they have certain records in mind and they, they or they don't want to use the deadlift
1: bar or whatever it is um yeah. but
0: that that's my prediction for it
1: yeah for sure i think um yeah you're spot on there influencing is like a huge thing and in, in growing the sport the thing i worry about with these and i think this is a reason why there's so many different feds is the standard of judging um and i absolutely cringe every time you're scrolling through instagram and you see like some random lifted some random lifting pages posted like new all-time world record and then you go because so for people who don't know an all-time world record is supposed to be like across any federation rats raw whatever it is like i think pretty much they just pull up open and then they're like mm-hmm. yeah if you can lift more than this it's an all-time world record but then you see the depth of the squat and you're like the fuck was that mm-hmm. well like i remember i posted my story not too long ago, some guy pulling, like, a deadlift for, like, an all-time world record. The guy clearly hitched it. It wasn't even locked out. Um, and then three white lights. Like, I don't know where it came from, and I don't know in what federation that's legal. But the point is, the reason that the IPF, and people will 100% disagree with me on this, but I think that the reason that the IPF is held or has been held as the gold standard of powerlifting is the consistency and the level of judging. I, I personally believe that they are the most consistent um, across all federations that I've seen. And I've been to multiple federation meets, but I don't think anybody is as consistent as the IPF in regards to depth, bench pauses, being strict on say, like hitching or downward motion. And I mm-hmm. think that's why. And as much as people hold the IPF in contempt for being like, um, you're like, for a better word, like real, boring federation i suppose i think that's why people view it as the gold standard because if you say um so and so holds the record in an ipf for for a world record you're like oh yeah that seems pretty legit but if you were like oh yeah this guy holds the all-time world record in some like no-name federation that you've never heard before you're gonna be like really does he and it's it's not because you haven't heard of the federation before it's just like uh your mind immediately goes to backyard meets that you see Mm. on instagram and youtube of some guy that's you know clearly doesn't have good form and hasn't completed the lift properly it's i think
0: it's like like that whole thing i'll just quickly interrupt it's like that whole thing of like buying a new product it's like you hear about it and it's like you don't trust it as far at the start and then you have to get multiple opinions and you google stuff and you have to find out like your first if someone says oh yeah this is great well, at least for me, my first thing is like, okay, yeah, you like it, but I'm going to f- figure it out for myself if I like it. Yeah. And it's like that same mm-hmm. thing with federations. Like I do agree with you that the IPF has probably the best standard of judging. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. there is stuff that gets called and it's like, that probably should have been three whites, but it didn't get passed. So I think it goes both yeah. ways with being too strict and also um, being a little bit lousy in some cases. I've had an experience where... I got whites for a bench press that should never have ever been whites. Even in a video from the crowd, you can see my bum come way up um, in yeah. the IPF, and that's it. You know, that's a whole different thing. But um, yeah, I do agree. I do agree with what you're saying. Uh, in that the IPF is very, uh, it's very, it's kind of like the Olympics of powerlifting, and then everything else is like the X Games or some sponsored Red Bull event. And it's like some like branches of yeah. the same sport, but more you can tell it's more it's like more sponsored and advertised and more of like a media
1: yeah 100% yeah yeah I think the purists appreciate the uh and then outside of that yeah if we're talking about growing mainstream that's not where you're going to get numbers like the US PA gets more numbers than the IPF oils alone so you know it's where the hype is it's where the followings are obviously social media plays a massive role but like unless you can bring that same hype People with that sort of influence, yeah. You're not you're not gonna grow it. Mm. Um and you've got people like um like Candido who have pulled out of national this year. Mm. Um massive, I think, anyway, for for mm. a guy of that much influence. Um but yeah, I think this year will be interesting next couple of years as people uh sort of move towards I think people are definitely powerlifting is definitely becoming more mainstream, no doubt. You go to a commercial gym, there's more powerlifters in a commercial gym more than ever. Um and I think people are just gonna find like we were discussing before, they're just going to find meets that are fun. You know, they don't necessarily care about being purists in the sport of powerlifting. No one wants, you know, there's not everyone that wants to be like number one in the world. So um, yeah, I think that's where you're going to get that sort of fun. Of
0: and I think the way it's going to, like my prediction would be um, because people who aren't competitive, they're simply not as going to have as much fun. They're not. I'm not going to have as much fun in, in 15th place as the guys in the top five. And I think yeah. what's going to happen is it's going to start from the bottom of the class and they're going to the bottom 10 or 20 are going to start migrating over and then we'll get to a point where the top seven are like oh well what are we even still doing here um there's only a few of us left we may as well you know we've already made our mark we've got our goals records whatever done let's go with them Mm -hmm. even though they're not as strong enough as strong as us it's a different atmosphere and i feel like that's how it's going to eventually migrate over
1: yeah for sure I think it's very much like when you play like if you play grassroots sport or whatever like you play soccer you play rugby or whatever you just play for the club that's most convenient for you at the time just because it's down the road you get your trainings and then once you hit like a certain level premieres and then you start looking at sponsorships more serious competence, then you go looking for other clubs that are more suited to your place, style your skill whatever. Mm-hmm. and I think it's a very much the same powerlifting in the uh, federations yeah
0: and it is like um, I feel like Johnny Candido is probably the most influential dude in powerlifting Uh, at least like the Mm. tested side of powerlifting. Um, So yeah, it is a huge thing that he's pulled out. And especially when he's actually speaking against it, not just like pulling out, like uh, I don't, he didn't, from memory, he wasn't being mean or anything, but he was essentially just being completely honest with his Mm. reasons. And with that much influence, I do see people going over.
1: Yeah, yeah. I respect the fact that he did that, Mm. actually. It's, uh, and I think it's a bold move on his part anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah he's got the following people support him so yeah whatever man you gotta stay true to yourself man, i definitely believe that's that's what he's doing and uh, massive props to him for doing that mm.
0: That sort of like honesty now that i'm saying it like just bringing it up it reminds me of like what i see on your stories and stuff because you've always got some uh story up about whatever and some of them are quite funny just because of how bluntly honest you are with the things uh that you put up there was two that comes to mind so Uh, you reposted a screenshot of mine a couple of days ago and for you guys that haven't seen it it was a screenshot of me and my mate that I programmed for Uh, we're in week 2 of a volume block uh, and he went off program so he had a very I mean it made of it it would have been like RP 5 or 6 single and he he's like he texts me and he goes single felt great I say awesome he goes Oh, and here are my deadlifts. Here are my deadlifts after the failed squat, and I was like, I was doing something at the time. so I was confused. I was like, Oh, I'm. I'll just double check what he said, right? So then he, and then I see the video of the failed squat, and it was one hundred and sixty kilos, and his max yeah. last test was one fifty five, and he had a one fifteen single, so super easy for him. Yeah. And so I took a screenshot, and I essentially I uh, put it on my. Private story, or whatever, and I just called him a donkey. Uh, I said, "What an idiot he was!" You know, keep in mind I've known him for ten years, so it's not an issue that I call him an idiot. Uh, and <laughs> I can't remember exactly what you said, but you reposted it and you just said, "This is what it's like being a coach." And yeah. I want to hear more about what you think because uh, I can't remember yeah. exactly what you said in the
1: in the response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it's. I don't know, man. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. I think, as a, as a coach, to see things from your client's perspective. Um, like real classic example. I was at the, I was, I was training at a commercial gym today, right? And there were three dudes there. Um, and they're young and they're obviously new to the gym. And I think they're just. It was the type of group of boys that you look at and you just think, "What the fuck are you doing?" Mm. Like just they look so lost everything like you know what they're doing is wrong but you're obviously not going to say anything but i was like i'm i if i'm being completely honest i can be a real judgy kind of person right as much as i try not like try to be open-minded or whatever sometimes you just look at stuff and you're like what the fuck man like what are you what are you doing and then you i always have to go back and i i remember this uh quote from so i can't remember if I, it was, but pretty much it was saying like uh, give people a break because, you know, they're making the same mistakes that you were making when you were younger, you know, when you were 18. So I'm like, I'm trying to think. So in that moment there, I'm trying to think back to when I would first started going to the gym, i just joined a Jets. And to be honest, man, I don't know what I was doing. I got some random program on bodybuilding.com and uh, I was just, I probably wasn't doing the exercises right. And then I was like, inviting my mates to come to the gym and I was trying to teach exercises that potentially I wasn't even doing right. You know, and you, mm-hmm. I think, Everyone goes through that. Like, you know, it's just fun. You and the boys, when you first start going to the gym, you don't necessarily know what you're doing, but you're there for a good time, right? And so I feel like when you're coaching these people that are like that, you know, and they they go off program because they they feel good. Mm. Part of it was like, yeah, that was definitely a dumb thing to do, but also at the same time, if you think back to what you were saying, their journey as a power lifter, you were like, yeah, man, I was you know, 18 years old and I thought I could PR, so of course I was gonna fucking send it. You know, I had two scoops of C4 and I'm like pinging So, you know, why not? So like there's two sides of the coin. You're like, mm. yes, you know as a coach, you have to accept the fact that your clients are gonna go off program. You know, I one of my clients uh always sends me through videos after every workout, right? And he sent me through um whatever I'd programmed him and then he was like, oh and then I did some extra squats and deadlifts after. And I was, <laughs> What I wanted to say was, the fuck are you doing? Like, that's why. Um, because, pre, like, a couple of days before, we literally had just had this conversation where I was like, if you look ahead to week two, week two is going to absolutely rip you a new one. So, week one, don't overshoot, keep it easy, just do what the program says. We had that conversation. But he was like, yeah, I didn't feel like I had done enough work. So, I just did some more. And I was like, oh, man. And so, yeah, exact situation where I'm like in my head, I'm like, man, I know that's not good for you. I know it's not going to bode well for you in the following week, but I can understand that like, I can understand the feeling of being a lifter and not feeling like you've just crushed an awesome workout because, you know, you do get workouts like that where everything's like, meh, and you finish and you're not exactly tired or exhausted and your muscles don't feel fatigued. So sometimes you're like, did I even have a good workout? So sometimes I feel like doing a couple of major sets, and i get that because i still get like that now um but yeah it's just hard because you need to read two you know two sides of the story and like then just approach the situation down the middle because yeah mm-hmm. no one's ever, i don't think i mean they probably are but it's very rare that you get a client that's going to do everything you say always going to stick to the program mm-hmm. and even if they do tell you that they've done everything that you've said that you programmed them to do you don't really know that they've done it do you you know he could just say that he did all that
0: I get that thought every Sunday when I do this program. So um, we can cut your client that slack because he's a lot younger than you, a lot earlier in the journey. Uh, However, the Mm -hmm. guy that I'm talking about, we actually joined the gym together. So he gets no slack because we've been going to the gym the exact same amount of time. It's just that uh, I was more genetically gifted. And so I took to powerlifting quicker and here I am. Um, So he gets no slack, but... I, he's like, it was funny. Cause he goes 115 felt really good. I was like, sweet. That's great. That's great. Like, you know, week one, it's great that you, or week two, <laughs> it's great that squats are already feeling good. I was happy. Yeah. I was like the program, you know, cause I've had a bit of trouble finding the right volume for him. Uh, I was like, awesome. That's a great sign. And then hit, then the next one comes through and it's, uh-huh. like, and I can understand him not trusting me because I'm a newer coach. I've only been doing it for eight months. So let's yeah. say he say hypothetically he doesn't trust me. Fine. Yeah. But when it's like you're an athlete and you're a world record, you know, five hundred Wilkes, world record deadlift holder, whatever, it's like mm-hmm. he I he should be trusting you. And it's like I think there's a big difference between me as a coach and you as a coach. Um mm. but yeah, I just think that's
1: funny. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned that also, because you're like as a younger coach there's only so many things you can do to make people trust you right and until you get results for people or multiple people mm-hmm. then like it's it's always going to be an uphill battle of like people trusting what you say and you know you tell them what to do and i i was thinking this too because i was like if you well like you so see me as like i've been coaching for maybe three or four years now but if i think back like four years ago and i'm like Man, I could have done such a better job of doing X, Y, and Z, and I'm like, I probably could have got them like way better results than what I did. Um, mm. But then, you, I guess you kind of have to think that you know that was a long time ago, and as you go through coaching and time passes, your views on tra- training will change and your methods will change. So you can't beat yourself too much. Can't beat yourself up too much about the stuff that's already happened in the past because a, it's been and gone, and you know, b, it's like. You didn't know what you know now that you know the stuff that you knew back then and so like i think as you advance as a coach you learn different ways to communicate certain things to people um certain cues you know you understand you can recognize certain patterns a lot sooner than you could you know a, a year ago even so yeah it's it's i think it, that's for me that's the hardest thing when i think back and i'm like man i really wish i could have said that to that lifter because in that point mm-hmm. in time that would so much but back then I didn't know that information. I honestly didn't know. So it's, yeah. Well, it's
0: funny funny that you mentioned communication because you saw that my reaction was to call him a fucking donkey uh, for going off program. Um, But yeah, it's saying like uh, you can read as much as you want, but it's going to come down to experience. And and even when I look back Mm -hmm. to eight months ago, when I first started compared to now, it's like I can see some pretty good progress in my own programming that I write for these guys um yeah you know, obviously that's rewarding but yeah it's yeah. um and not only that but it's different personalities you're not just coaching different people with different volume capacities or forms or whatever it's they're different humans too so it's like mm. i would never say that to my one of my other guys yeah uh, it's 100%. Uh, you're, you're 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 the you're a coach you're not someone who's doing programming and there's a big yeah. difference and there's I see um, and I think I've spoken about this before in an episode but it's like people who just put people will deadlift 200 kilos and put DM for programming the, in their bio and it's like yeah, yeah. you have to um, well first of all I strongly believe that there is no link between strength and intelligence um, yeah. if you've if you've seen some of these <laughs> I'm trying to tread lightly here. Um, <laughs> some of these guys you talk about bodybuilding well yeah bodybuilding is a huge one and, and you probably follow Adam Omaki um, and some yeah. of the stuff that he puts on his story of these clowns is, it's mind blowing um, but yeah I do strongly believe there is no link between strength and intelligence so uh, when you're mm. advertising yourself the selling point shouldn't be this is my deadlift. It should yeah. be like, I've been doing it for X amount of time. I've progressed Y amount of, you know, if you look at Joey Flex and all, oh, and Sean, look at their athletes, like it speaks for themselves, but the younger coaches mm. that are getting into it, uh, there's one I'm not going to name again because I have named him, but it's like, this is my deadlift and I'm going to sell this to you guys now. Uh, it's yeah. I can get you this strong because I did it myself, but it's like, that's yeah. completely unrealistic. Um, Yeah. and yeah, so that's sort of like, that's why I don't, I don't ever advertise that I do coaching like programming because, uh, I'm new to it, but also I'm not trying to sell myself on anything that is on my Instagram. Cause at the end of the day, that's not what makes mm. me average at what I do. So it's like, yeah, I keep it to myself and, um, but that's what I see too often. Is like someone, will, someone will just jump at any chance to sell something, and especially in powerlifting, it's like you're yeah. gonna get someone really badly hurt or yeah. whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there's a big difference, and I think it should be stipulated more. Obviously, it never will because, like you said, it's a money thing. But there's a massive difference between selling coaching, and there's a massive difference between selling programs. Two completely different things. I can give you a spreadsheet, and then just tell you to fuck off you know, I think that's a big difference between advertising yourself as a coach. Mm. Uh, I think it's also a confidence thing. Like you say, now you don't really advertise the fact that you do coaching or programming. Um, I think generally over time, once you have more, you know, you built up more of a CV behind you and experience, you know, and then then you can start sharing like, you know, more clients and stuff like that. Then it becomes more of a coaching thing. But like, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. Uh, it's not even just in powerlifting, everyone's out there to make a dollar. You know, I, bodybuilding is probably, cause I work in the, um, like the supplement industry. And so, <laughs> in my, so like, trust me when I say, I know all about this shit and I see stuff every day that triggers me. Um, mm. And I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. What blows my mind is that there are still people that are actually getting sucked into these sorts of things. Mm. And I guess it's because I've been in the gym now for 10 plus years, right? And so for me and you, like certain things just become common sense over time. You know certain things like your energy balance, calorie in, calories in, calories out. Simple things like training sub-maximally over a longer period of time is much better than maxing out every session. Real simple things. But you talk to some people every day. So my the, the times that I experience this the most is when I talk to like, uh friends of friends like you go to a party of a mate and then they find out that you're like a powerlifter or a coach or whatever and then they just start asking you all sorts of questions right like as soon as they find out that you're a PT they're like what do you think of this what do you think of keto what do you think of you know x50 you know it's like so many things that are just marketing fads and you know that they're just fads but like people are genuinely considering buying these products um and it just blows my mind. It honestly blows my mind sometimes that people with all the access to information that we have out there, that there's still a giant population. And this is the thing. These companies are still doing it, or these people's are still doing it because they are actually still making money. So the percentage of people that are uninformed far outweighs the percentage of people that know what they're talking about. And until that percentage shifts, or there's, you'll get closer to an equal and you know equal on each side. People are going to be pushing shit, and I think that's yeah, it's just crazy to think.
0: I mean, it's crazy that big corporations can sell stuff like BCAAs, but then you get like some fucking whoever bodybuilder who makes his own mm. supplement line and he's selling BCAAs. It's like that it doesn't you could do a simple google search like the effect of branch chain amino acids study just put the word study at the end of anything and it will literally the easiest google search ever and it will come up and tell you i literally saw it on my story today i don't know i didn't go looking for it it was like bc is yeah. useless and i wasn't yeah. trying to look for that information and i found it out and i well i knew but like i saw it again and it's like how? Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna spend eighty dollars, because I did it. One, I've I've bought it mm. once when I three years ago or two and a half years ago. I bought BCAA's, and I remember yeah, yeah. Saying, and I remember having it for the first. So I did this shoulder workout, right? Yeah. Hard, hard shoulder workout. Next week, same shoulder workout because I was doing like a bodybuilding thing, and I had the BCAA's. And Hmm. I don't know what it was. Maybe I had more soul or carbs or better sleep or something that day, but the workout was way easier, even with the same reps and stuff. I messaged my mate. Oh my God. These, uh, these BCAAs are so good. Like I'm having the best workout. Like I'm (laughs) being completely honest. And and it was cause the big juice head at, um, fucking well, I'm not even going to say the company name, one of the shops. Um, Told me, and I'm serious, this guy looked like a competitive bodybuilder. He'd probably been on stage yeah. before, obviously taking steroids. And he sold these BCAAs to me. And it's like they don't care about you because he would know I mean I was gonna say he would know it was useless, but then I think even that yeah. would be too much. I can't assume that of <laughs> of because of how bodybuilding is in Australia. I can't assume that he yeah, would yeah. know. Um Yeah. But yeah, it's just taking advantage of of you, and so it's like if any, any of you guys listening are young and thinking about buying supplements, just, yeah. I mean, I would go as far as saying, don't even buy protein, just eat meat and maybe buy pre-workout. If like, if you want to have the only, you know, you don't need it, but it's fun if you want to buy it. Yeah. I mean, it's such a huge, I've wasted so much money when I first got into the gym on, I mean, fat burners is the big one. Uh, yeah fat sure. burner BCAAs, whatever and really at the end yeah. of the day you don't need any of it and now i don't even buy pre more than like twice a year so it's like yeah well there's that really steep learning curve with like yeah. the way you spend money it's like because that like you said they just don't care about you uh yeah yeah
1: i mean it's wild man it's uh, That's totally wild yeah um i Especially when you're young, though, I think for me, like, so I take supplements, I take pre-workout and protein, uh, pretty much the only ones that I take. I, for me, when I first started in the gym, supplements were like a fun part of the gym, right? Yeah. Like, because if I'm being completely honest, again, with when it came to nutrition, when I first started, I didn't know jack shit. I do not know what I was doing. So it was kind of like I had a gym and there was a supplement store by my gym. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go next store. And the dude behind the counter was like, "Oh, you wanna, you wanna try protein shake?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" So the guy gave me uh, my fusion was back in the day, Gaspari Nutrition, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, this is mean. And honestly, didn't know what it was supposed to do, but I was like, "I'll buy a tub." And so <laughs> for me, it was, it was like, uh, it was just exciting for me. It was something new. Um, it was, I don't know. I feel like it's a rite of passage when you're younger. Mm-hmm. It's like you buy this tub of protein, you, have and you to. feel like you're. Yeah, man, you have to, and so that's how I got into supplements, anyway. Um, and I still take them now, and for the most part, for me, and I guess it's obviously different from person to person. You know, if you don't have a lot of money, like you said, if you're younger and you're a student, like don't waste your money on supplements. Like, there's be- better places to spend your money oh. before you can buy supplements. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Get rid of um, that. Get but,
0: rid of that like harbinger shitty velcro
1: belt, and get, get yourself yeah, something man. that's actually going to help you. <laughs> something like that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah or even just buy a decent pillow so you can get better sleep. But like, I think, um, once you have like extra, once you have disposable income and it is something that you do, like, I mean, for me, I get supplements cheap, you know, it's not a big thing for me. And even though I get them cheap, I still don't buy them. Like it's, uh, I just take it for fun. Like it's just a novelty thing for me. Mm. And I, think a lot of it is still nostalgia from like first getting into the gym. And it's part of, uh, uh, like a, not a ritual but I was talking to do you know Aiden Potts? Oh what's his Instagram handle? Uh I think it was Pot Postman Potts. Yes, I do know him. He's a yeah, so he's a powerlifting Australia coach and we were he came down to the coast one time for a training session and he was talking to me about uh this concept called MADU, right? And MADU is effectively um getting rid of everything that's unnecessary for you to perform at your optimal best. But for each person that looks different. So what's optimal for you, say in your headspace or in your room is completely different to my room and what's optimal for me. So as part of my training, like when I take pre-workout, it's part of, I would say my medu, right? It's like, it just helps me get the headspace. even though it might be placebo, like the amount of people that say that they drink a black coffee before their pre-workout, but are pretty much numb to caffeine. Like there's a, obviously there's no point for them to drink the coffee right but you're going to drink it anyway because it's part of your ritual and whether or not it makes a difference to your physical performance mentally it puts you in that headspace to perform Mm. i guess that's what some supplements are for me um and i think on the flip side of that it's just it's just fun to take certain things
0: i mean i had an experience um where for whatever reason i was driving to the gym but uh, because of the timing, I wasn't going to be drinking pre in the car. And I didn't even feel like putting on my gym playlist in the car because I just wasn't drinking pre. I wasn't even excited to go, even though it was a really good session, like I had exciting numbers. Um, yeah. And yeah, so it was like towards the end of comp prep and, and I had this great workout that I was going to go and do, but I couldn't drink pre in the car or Monster for whatever reason. And just mm-hmm. that alone, even though I knew I was going to have it when I got to the gym, just that alone was enough to throw me off because I always drink pre on the way to the gym. And then uh, this week, a couple of weeks later, I'm going to the gym for just a workout that isn't like a deload workout. It's boring, nothing exciting. And I'm drinking my pre Mm. in the car and automatically I'm way more excited to go to the gym. And I think it's that, um, not because I was more excited about that specific session, but it was because I was having that pre-workout in the car So then I was listening to the gym music and whatever. And it's that whole Mm -hmm. mental thing. It's like, it makes physically, it makes no difference, but your mentality can make a physical difference. So it's like, if you can convince yourself to get in the same mindset without the same equipment or the same, whatever, then you'll still be in the same place physically, but it's just some people can't, can't shift their mindset uh, under, i mean non-ideal circumstances or whatever it is yeah
1: yeah agreed agreed yeah and i think uh and it's the same in any other sport like if you watch top sportsmen get ready before a game like you will see them doing their own different things like they've all got their music in and you know they're all doing their own things that calm them down before you know whatever's about to happen so yeah it makes perfect sense
0: Mm. uh another Mm. thing i saw because now we're talking about supplements and this one's not a supplement but on your story before your last competition or whatever it was, I saw a photo of you and it was like six days out and it was some photo of whatever alcoholic drink and I was like I was like oh yeah whatever and I oh, swipe yeah. and I swipe past and then I was like isn't Josh almost peaking because like I'd been watching your training or whatever so I swipe back yeah and I swipe up aren't you like five days out man and you come back yeah yeah yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and so, and so of course, yeah. Of course, then I was interested. I was like, hang on, now I want to know like what the deal is, um, because, and I think I know the answer, but mm. I want to know why you're okay with, because at that stage, I don't know how long you were from comp, but you were mm. drinking, and some athletes wouldn't even dare but you did and you still performed well from what I can remember. So I'm just wondering what the mindset is behind that.
1: For me, I drink most weekends. So I actually probably more than most weekends. I probably drink four or five nights a week. And I'm not talking like I drink and I get smashed. Like I have a one or two drinks. Um, So for me, that's me throughout my entire prep. So I, so when I'm peaking, I know that my body's not going to do anything different. Um, so that's why I don't really mind too much when alcohol comes into play because A, it's controlled. Like I'm definitely not getting shit-faced. Like the amount of alcohol I'm drinking is, you know, it pales in comparison to many other factors that I can control mm. that should precedence over the drinking side of things. Um, so... I think, yeah, for me, I just don't, and it's part of what relaxes me as as well and helps me to stay sane. Uh, Some days, like, my work's not necessarily super stressful, but there are definitely days where I finish work and I'm like, fuck, I need to unwind. And for each person, that looks different. You know, some people go get a massage. Some people go for a a run. Some people do, you know, they play video games. For me, it's just having a drink. Um, So that's just my way of, coping daily i suppose uh but yeah so for me leading into competition i felt no need to change it um uh, and again when you when you would have seen that video i wouldn't have been getting faced or anything like that but it was just another just another like, there's so many things i think that i do on a daily basis that people would look at and think oh, that's a little bit weird like that's not i don't know you, you wouldn't expect that from from me uh and i think what I am quite good at without trying to tune my own trumpet is like you also need to find a, like a, a work like a, a balance right in your life because for a lot of us this isn't our this isn't our livelihood like we don't make um, money as competing power as competitive power lip, you know we've got other things to do in life so um, I like to think that I do a good job of finding that happy medium between still enjoying what I do on a daily basis between my work, um, you know, other activities and like what I do in the gym and gym already takes up a significant amount of my life. So um, I feel like any way that I can balance that out, that I should take that opportunity because I don't want to turn into one of those dudes. that's like all about the gym, you know, and then I get to, you know, 40 years old and I've got no life experience, but it's okay because I've got a 900 total, you know, it's, it's not, Mm. it's not who I want to be yes I love lifting yes I love going to the gym I'm super competitive but I realize that this I can't do this for the rest of my life and I can't just ignore other factors for the rest of my life and sure it's different for other people that are genuine genuinely making money off powerlifting or whatever. but for me uh you know I I think I put I think I put a, a range of weird shit up on my stories and what I do in a day I mean it's not it did get to that point where uh like when i was on tinder or when i was on like dating apps you know how it like pulls photos from your social media right mm-hmm. all my photos on social media were just me in the gym and i'm like how the fuck am i supposed to try find a girlfriend when all she thinks i do is go to the gym mm-hmm. uh and so yeah i don't know i just feel like i do a good job of, of finding that balance in between keeping my own life and having fun and enjoying it because alcohol is something that i enjoy and then also my competition but mm-hmm. yeah i
0: don't it, know if that makes sense it's funny no i completely i well i'm trying to understand that i get told by people in my life that i need to oh, stop thinking about the gym so much blah blah blah. do something else whatever and it's like yeah. you got to find and i'm learning slowly that you have to find that balance between so for me uh i don't have long-term goals because for many reasons i think they're uh and it's a whole conversation i set very short term three six at most one year goals, uh, yeah. And and I think uh, so. I don't have bit long other than being a powerlifting coach because I look up to Sean and Joey and people like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have any long term goals in the sport yet. So obviously there's a total I want to hit eventually, but I don't know yeah. what it is because I don't I don't want to put that limit on myself or I don't want to be unrealistic, right? So yeah, when I turn eighteen, like. We go out for drinks, whatever. Since that, I turned nineteen a couple of weeks ago. So since I was turned eighteen, I've maybe been drunk four times. So yeah, right. And this, and I'm getting to a point here, but um, I just didn't see it as I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that enjoys it. But I also f- yeah. in in s- chose not to go out multiple times because I was like, I've got training on Monday, or you know, I've got a squat tonight, and I don't really want to go drink alcohol after. So it's like whatever the reason was. Um, mm-hmm. and it's during this last prep, I, I went out like four weeks out for my, one of my best mate's birthdays. Um, and it had absolutely zero effect on the next week. Uh, even though we yeah. got like, we had quite a lot and whatever, two days later, yeah. I, I hit a great day of single low RPE. So it had no physical effect. And what yeah. I am getting to is, so I competed a week ago, um, mm-hmm. since then, because I believe in mental breaks more than physical breaks. Uh, I went to to the gym four times, but I didn't track any macros this week. Uh, I still ate good food. Just I would, would have been under in protein and stuff. I didn't track any macros. I haven't been thinking about the gym because I've just went like a couple of times and did whatever bro workout I wanted to. And um, I've been focusing on other stuff, right? And so this is the point that I'm getting to. Um, So last night, I, got, I was like, Oh, I'll bench. Cause I don't want my work capacity to drop too low. So I benched three times this week. Yeah. Um, we go into the session. I don't, I feel like shit. Like I haven't been tracking macros, probably not slept enough, not on program. So yeah. I, like, I'm like, Oh, it's going to be a boring workout. Right. And so I do close yeah. grip and I end up close gripping my competition max. And yeah, wow. so it's like, and yeah, my bum came off, whatever. There was jokes about that in the comments. Um, but this is the day after I went out for drinks with my friends. So I went out um, two nights ago with my mates and we had like just four or five drinks. But like it's that whole, and I think it really comes down to that whole idea of mental fatigue. So um, mm. if you saw my competition post, you'd see that I, I had to grind out 170 on the bench. And yeah. because I've literally been thinking about 170 since December. And I'm not even kidding. Like most days I've been thinking about benching 170 because it's a big goal, three reds. Um, yeah. And so I, had to, I hit it in prep, up uh, like good. It was a nice rep. I had to grind yeah. for it in comp. So that's fine because yeah. that's competition standards, whatever. This yeah. week, and for whatever reason, I haven't done close grip in six months, but I know we're doing it in the off season. So I was like, oh, I'll do a close grip session this week. Just try it out. So, uh, you know, I haven't done it in ages. I ended up close yeah. gripping my comp max and it moved faster than I did in competition. And when you look at the circumstances, okay. someone who doesn't drink has five drinks that's not going to that shouldn't go well the next day. Uh, yeah. Someone someone who tracks macros 48 59 uh, like 49 weeks of the year doesn't yeah. track doesn't track their macros. So all these yeah. things are adding up and it's like mm. I shouldn't be performing well. And then it comes mm. and and I truly believe it's that idea of mental fatigue because I haven't been thinking about the gym. I haven't been thinking mm. about my macros. I haven't been thinking about training that mm. I was able to just go in and perform incredibly well for the circumstances and it was just yeah. because that stress of and lifting went from being my priority during the day towards the end huh. of prep to the yeah. last thing on my list and yeah. and i mean i think it was Steffi cohen who spoke about having three months off a year and just training in or not training at all or training a completely different way and she believes or whatever she said that yeah in the long run that will really benefit you because that, that that idea of not only physical burnout but mental burnout is such a huge mm. thing where people will just get turned off completely mm. for whatever reason it is and so that's why i'm completely yeah. fine with what this week some lifters might call a waste of my time because i did whatever but to me mm. it's because i know i'm going to go back on monday and i'm going to track my macros vividly strict stick to the program for the next six months until nationals and i'm going to be able yeah. to do that because i had this week off so that's why i don't mm-hmm. care about staying up late to eat that last meal for the macros or whatever and i can do that for the next six months because i'm not that hard on myself and i like let myself have a bit of time off and i feel like people yeah, for sure. people need to like and i might be a bit more anal than most people already but it's like, there there are definitely some people who are rungs above me on the ladder of um, sticking to the schedule. And it's like, Mm. you might see it as a bad thing, but it it might really help you.
1: 100%, man. And this is like, because how long have you been lifting for? Uh,
0: Lifting for like three this month and then powerlifting for one.
1: So that's like a massive thing, right? And when you talk about, how long you've been lifting for compared to one week off, and this is—I think this is like a massive thing that people always miss—is the fact that. So this is the thing that people miss, and social media again has a lot to blame about this like grind and hustle mentality, yeah. where you're always working hard and you are got to be killing every workout and like you're smashing, you're tracking your macros, and like yeah, sure that's great and it's like great for motivation or whatever. If you're trying to, you know you yeah, know sell some programs or, or whatever that shit is. it's always that the bigger picture, yeah the bigger picture is that you're going to be lifting for the next three to four years right 52 weeks in a year it doesn't matter if you have a couple weeks off couple months off because in the big scheme of things that's like nothing you know so what you miss a week of training so what you you take a couple weeks off of, of not tracking sure it'd be cool to have that data and it's like cool to have you know to be able to say that you've been tracking strictly for three years but like does anyone actually care about that Mm. if i heard someone say that to me i'd be like are you serious yeah man imagine your quality of life if you never took a break and this is what really gets me and i the igtv that i uploaded not too long Mm. like last week whatever is, is good is people just are not willing to give themselves this break and they don't understand why they fatigue so quickly and why they lose motivation it's because it's not physically sustainable yeah physically or mentally sustainable man I, there have been times where i've been like i'm gonna quit powerlifting, hundred percent, just straight up and when i think back to those times those were days that you know back in the days where i was training six days a week and gym was all i was thinking about and i was just obsessed with hitting numbers and that's all i wanted to do I wasn't willing to give myself a break. I wasn't willing to take that time off training because all I wanted to do was like hustle and grind. And honestly, man, I made sweet fuck all process, uh, sorry, progress in that space of time where my head was in that space. Um, But yeah, I guess you can have the motivations and the right intentions, but the execution of it is incredibly important. And there's nothing else in the world that doesn't require you to take a break every now and then. I can't think of anything. People take breaks from work. People take breaks from, uh, you know, uh, diets. They take breaks from like saving money. Yeah, It's like, it's just super hard to keep on top of that. And yeah, you just will not last long. You'll want to quit more than anything if you just keep forcing yourself. But yeah, again, I 100% think it's this whole mentality of like hustle and grind and like training 24 seven and all this other influence bullshit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I
0: literally, yeah. I hate those words because of, the stigma around them um but like if you have a look at russ the dude went to hawaii or whatever with his girlfriend and mm. for what it looked like they just lay on the beach and drank alcohol for however many weeks and yeah, he comes man. back and he comes back and hits a 700 pound single and i'm not saying that everyone's gonna be able to do that but like mm. that and that that's like 20 kilos off his all-time one at max so it's like the time off is not going to hurt you as bad as you think. And, and if anything, and he probably had such a relaxing time and is, it was like a, just a longer, f- are you right? <laughs> yeah. Bullshit all over. Um, It's probably just like a longer version of what I did this week where I could perform really well. Cause I had a break. And yeah. I mean, if, if the number one, power, one of the top powers in the world doing it, isn't a good enough reason for you to do it. It's like, you're probably beyond convincing to take a break, but yeah, I mean, and I really admire that he did that because it's like, it shows these younger kids who look up to people like that, that they can do it too. And yeah, Russ has has earned that. Like he's already at the top, maybe a month off probably isn't the best for the 17 year old 83 who's trying to be the best, but And it's proportionate. So he has a month off, you have two days off, have three days off. So it's like, you know, you gotta you gotta be realistic if if you have certain goals. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, people definitely need they they're a bit too and I don't want to say too serious, because I'm super serious about the sport too, but too um maybe too much of an ego, I guess, to show people that they're having a break. Cause like even sometimes like I'll eat something and my mum's like, oh, that's not chicken or beef or and it's yeah. like fuck off <laughs> you know it's yeah. like i like this if i want to and it's like i get a bit like my, my instinct is to get a bit butthurt that someone's noticed yeah. that i might not be doing the best thing for powerlifting and my instinct yeah. is to be like yeah. what the like, you know um but yeah, yeah totally. it's like and, and especially if you have a following like if you have an instagram following and you go mia or you're posting got you know Like if you follow any powerlifters on Instagram, how often do you see young powerlifters? And I'm not referring to someone like me, but like teen phenom powerlifters posting that they're out with friends or out drinking, or Mm. you literally you do not see it. And (laughs) I don't know whether it's a front because they have followers or because they just genuinely don't do it. But it's like yeah, at the end yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's. What's, what's one week going to do? I, I don't know. I just, yeah. no,
1: nah, I totally agree with you. If you don't have balance, then you're not going to last. It's, it's as easy. as that. Mm. There's no way about it. Yeah.
0: I, um, before we wrap up and, and I think it's yep. been almost an hour and a half, uh, I wanted to read you one of the unpopular opinions that I have or unwanted opinions. Sorry, because as you would have seen, I post on the podcast. With yeah. Some, this with some, uh, that I accumulate over a period of time. And, and obviously I could read Are you these just counter. thoughts yourself. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have a couple of mates who, who like shout out Alan. I know you watch this, um, that I, that I message and I get a tiny bit of feedback, but these are my, they're all my opinions. I don't get them off anybody else. I do check. Like, for example, I had one that I was going to post and it was about, it was your heart, your heart doesn't care about body positivity. And so I sent this, okay. to, I sent this to my friends and they're probably like, <laughs> And they're like, you probably shouldn't post that. And I was like, fair, okay, whatever. Um, and <laughs> and, the, and the real feedback from my other mate, he was like, uh, yeah, that's funny and clever, but like, um, it's not powerlifting specific. And it, you, he said, you know, being realistic, target the niche. I was like, okay. Um, so I could read you the one. It's like your caption versus the caption we want, and it's like the yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I've seen them. I've and, seen you, them yeah. and you've seen it, so it's like I could read you that one, but. That's just a bit of a silly one. Um, one of the okay. ones okay. I wanted to read you. I had a common misconception about the squat, and it was okay. Uh, internal rotation is not always knee valgus, and that's leading into a segue. Was I was going to ask you was recently we saw I think it was Ben Yane's post about um, the not external- screwing your feet, screwing your feet. Yeah, I know yeah. your I know your opinion on this, but I wanted to talk about it before we uh, before we okay. end. Um. Yeah. I've done it myself and I think it sucks and I didn't realize why until I started studying yeah. anatomy and then you realize that external rotation is the opposite of what you're going to do on the way down. Yep. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that cue? And please be completely honest because I know there are some coaches that say it and one comes to mind, screw the floor is something that Sebastian Oreb says. And I...
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... So this this is my big, like, this is my biggest rant lately is you can't just say shit without context. And Will Crozier put up a post and I didn't ask him if it was related to that specific post, but he said, stop speaking in absolutes. Like what you say is not the be all and end all. And I personally agree Where everything needs context, right? But screwing the floor does have its time and place. Uh, In regards to vulgus. Uh, And for those who don't know knee vulgus is when your knees like cave inwards. And when we're talking about powerlifting, we're talking about uh, coming up. Like, so you hit the bottom, come on the way up and then your knees cave in. So that's what people generally refer to as knee vulgus when when we're squatting. You obviously need external rotation to squat. There's no question about it. There is a certain point where internal rotation takes over. But I don't... I reason that I think that it's not addressed as much is because you don't actually need to cue internal rotation because it is such a natural movement. Mm. I think if you have to cue internal rotation, then you have issues. I think the cue of opening your hips, like external... I think there's multiple ways of saying it. Knees out, uh, screw the floor, uh, whatever whatever you may. I think that's a very simplistic way and i probably would go as far as saying as it's an old school way mm. of teaching someone how to break at the hips before they squat down um and i did put it up on my story but like i i think that cues is applicable to certain lifters not everyone but staying externally rotated throughout the whole squat is physically a stupid thing to do and i think that's what the big backfire was about that certain post to an extent it was like half the truth but you didn't really get filled in on the rest and i don't know if he did that on purpose as clickbait because obviously if any powerlifter sees to see some title like that you're going to be like what's this around about Mm. so you automatically click on it and you're like what's this guy talking about and so you scroll through it and then that way it gets more exposure but yeah i don't know that's for me i did think it was a bit weird because i remember um, Sean had posted a story earlier saying that if your coach uses the cues through the fork, fire them, then fire him. And I was like, "Oh, that's a bit harsh." And I was like, "I was like, I wonder if he's going to post something that's coming up on it." And then Ben put up that that post a couple of days later, explaining it. And Ben's post gave it a little bit more context as to when you should not use it. And everything he was saying is just what I explained. Like it's physically impossible to stay externally rotated through the whole movement of the squat. It's just not going to happen. And forcing external rotation is going to cause knee valgus on the way up. But yeah, it, again, it's all context. All needs mm-hmm. context.
0: Yeah. I think it's like a um, – because like Sebastian Orbit, and and he's one of those coaches where like he doesn't really post – like you know what he's posting is mm. a 16th of what he knows. And it's like, yeah. because of the, like the prices that he charges is, and I've heard some stuff, but, um, yeah. and it's like, I know he like preaches that cue because I used it. I used it. And I saw him teach it. Cause you know, he does those seminars and he'll post a clip of it. And he always says, screw the floor, screw your yeah. feet out, whatever. And it's like, obviously no one will ever agree on everything. And that's what the sport is. It's just people arguing with each other over social media. Um, But it's like, how can such a respected coach, I mean, coaching the world's strongest man and Mm. lots of incredible athletes. And then you go to like someone like Sean, who is saying that it's a horrible cue and he coaches a lot of respectable athletes and he coaches some of the strongest guys in the world in the IPF. And so that's when like these conflicting opinions get, it's like, who do I believe? And I personally believe I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Um, just because of the experience that I've had with it, it just makes it so much harder. You just have to internally mm-hmm. rotate more to hit depth because you were overly like hyper, not hyper extended, but too. Yes, the movement. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it just takes me longer to get to depth because the first thing I have to do when I start the hinge is I have to internally rotate to even move. So it's like, you know, yeah, um, yeah, but it's such a, because you know you have to you have to really pick and choose who you believe, and so it's like, 100%. am I gonna believe the dude that's coaching Thor, or am I gonna yeah. believe Sean and he's one of the best IPF or Ben who sorry but I should say Ben because, um, he posted yeah. it, but it's like, you know, it and and that goes for literally every other movement or exercise or. There's always someone disagreeing with someone else. Um, And I I feel like, you know, you have to go and do your own research outside of it. Don't just believe what you see. Uh, Ask Mm -hmm. someone else. Ask your friend who, you know, understands anatomy. Or ask, you know, don't just read something and go, oh, yeah. Because (laughs) things can easily be misrepresented or they could just be wrong. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's important to or like just double check with your coach and just find out what he yeah. thinks. And it's, yeah, there's a whole lot of things you can do. Um, but yeah, that's just one of the things I thought was relevant because it happened recently. Um, and yeah. That was, was a No, I
1: totally get that. And I think just on that, it's as a coach as well. If you're going to be posting stuff like that, like it's actually really hard to decide what to put up on your story and how much information to put up on your story when you're, things like that because so easily small sentences like that can be taken out of context Mm. you take that one context back to your coach and your coach is like the fuck you talking about Mm. yeah it's so hard because yeah like you say you have to do your research you have to understand where that person's coming from what situation that statement is being applied to but yeah you have to be very you have to have to be very careful in regards to not taking stuff on face value because that's what clickbait is all about Mm.
0: and it's gone to the point where and there's probably a lot of American followers who don't know Sebastian uh, but it's gone to the point where I feel like some of the stuff he says is almost to like it's such a weird thing to think about but because he charges so much for his coaching and it's such an elite group like you can't even go train in his gym, he probably Uh, doesn't just hire anyone, he probably chooses you and all that sort of thing, I almost feel like because some of the stuff he says, I'm like, what like he'll he'll just be like oh this week uh, I felt bad so I just did a one by ten on bench and I just went home after and I'm like yeah. isn't this dude supposed to be like one of the best powerlifting coaches in Australia let alone the world like coaching Thor and whatever I know he's a strong man but and it's like some of the stuff he says I feel like he's just taking the piss and and, <laughs> and because he doesn't even have to advertise his knowledge on mm. Instagram because people are gonna buy his coaching i'm sure he's a great coach but like some of the stuff i see i'm like this can't be his way of advertising his coaching this has got to be a joke. like this has got to be some sort of reverse psychological way of like downplaying his intelligence so that people want to people are even more keen to check out why why is this guy so much money i don't know that's what i just been
1: noticing like you think it's a so you're saying you think it's like a marketing ploy that he plays dumb
0: i don't know because like some of the stuff he says like if i literally go on his instagram right now his captions are always like um this is how i felt today and like i'm gonna get one up and i'll try to find i just clicked on his instagram and i'll go to one of him benching Uh, yeah hmm, i'll try to find a good one he says some funny stuff and i just think um, is he just playing it by, like the way he does his own training, like is he just playing it by ear or is he set up like a yeah. proper program that he's following? Um, oh, now that I've said it, I'm not going to be able to find it and I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, <laughs> oh, So something like this, my strength surprised me today. I yeah. haven't been training that much for the last two weeks because I've been spending a lot of time with my family. So I was expecting to only be strong enough for two to three reps. And... And so like very simplistic, like almost I don't want to use the word dumb, but like oh, so hundred and fifty kilo bench press times fifteen for two sets. Have you ever seen that before? Have you ever seen anyone do a two by fifteen on a bench?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nah. No.
0: So it's like
1: powerlifting anyway, but yeah
0: So and I'm just thinking like why is he I don't know and why is he like, like this? Yeah, why is he like? <laughs> I know he's a bit of a funny fella, but it's just yeah. I feel like it's some reversed way of um. I don't. I don't know. I feel like if if that's if he's doing that on purpose, it's working so well. And uh, I yeah, It's me.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent, man. Yeah, honestly, you don't know who's trolling these days. Hey, mm. you really know who's trolling. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I keep thinking about him is. You never hear, like you was like. But if we go back to the discussion we we're having early in regards to getting clients' results, oh. my thing with him right is that he doesn't start with weak people and make them stronger. Hmm. So he generally picks people that are already strong, um, and it's hard to judge because. When someone is at an elite level, it is a lot harder to gain strength. We all know that. Once you get to a certain level, it becomes hard. He already chooses lifters and athletes that are already at the top of their game. So what I start to think about is, like, the strength that Thor has, is he actually adding much to that himself? Mm. Or just, like, accepting the fact that Thor did, like, this massive deadlift, and you're like, is it a result of his coaching? Or is, was Thor just coaching the way... Uh, sorry, was Thor just lifting the way he always was and Sebastian was just there giving me a couple, like, tricks mm. and tips? Happened to be the
0: guy is. who picked him up. Because I know Sebastian... Yeah, exactly. I got lucky when I got Thor as my athlete. He said I was in the right yeah. time, right place.
1: And yeah,
0: and, 100%. Yeah.
1: And he coaches this other uh, NRL p- player, I don't know, Matty Tapao, mm. um, um, who is just insanely strong but was insanely insanely strong to start with anyway mm. so i don't know what he i don't know what value he provides to these athletes mm. uh, i don't know if he just tells them if you're feeling shit today go do two sets of 15 yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, that's don't, yeah, you don't you yeah. don't know what's going on man, yes though.
0: and i mean yeah he probably he's probably i mean it looks like he has enough money that he doesn't even need it you know, exactly. Like you've seen that so yeah it could and, be a marketing thing yeah i don't know I don't, does he sell
1: online uh, programs
0: um i know a guy who knows a guy who is being coached by him and i'm not going to say names um yeah right and it's like weekly uh and it and it i okay. from memory it's not that expensive like it's it's just like any other powerlifting coach but i think yeah, okay. it must be in packages where mm-hmm. like one of them is the elite one when you get to go train at his fucking gym and whatever and yeah, he screams at you while you squat. but And all that sort of thing. But yeah, oh, dude. Those are the funniest
1: videos to watch of his that I watch. It's yeah, like, there's the like, like seven dudes
0: standing around. He, he's squatting like 220 <laughs> yeah. for like
1: 15 reps. Dude, that would put me off so bad. Mm. If there if were just those massive dudes just yelling at me. just mm. uh, If I notice someone's
0: me. looking at me and I'm going to go to do a lift, I'll like circle <laughs> it circle around, get a drink and come back to... <laughs> Cause I just, like coming from like a home gym and then going, for example, yeah. going to zero weakness, I feel yeah. the, whenever I get looked at, I feel the eyes and I like feel it so much. Cause I come from doing whatever I want in my garage. So it's like, yeah. and I'm not an introvert, but it's the whole different environment. So if, if, yeah. if someone was screaming at me and people were watching, Oh man, yeah. I, I would fail for sure. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it at all. Couldn't handle it. Yeah. Oh man. I'll, um, I'll, I'll let you go. We'll, we'll wrap it up. I think it's been like an hour and a half. Um, yeah, man. But it's yeah, been good though. It, we've had some good topics. Like some of this shit, like, and some of this stuff I'm sure has been talked about, like the, you know, the the upcoming comps and stuff in America, but like, I'm glad mm-hmm. we talk about it because it's something that um, I enjoy talking about and it's not often that you come across someone who is willing to you know like we had that big conversation about the the federations and stuff and you know you don't you don't come across it often people just want to talk about how their training went today most of the time yeah for sure um yeah man. but yeah thanks thanks heaps for coming on man nah man
1: not a problem
0: awesome man i'll uh, i think this episode will probably go up uh tuesday or wednesday so uh yeah. what is it two or three days time yeah working awesome cheers thanks for ha- thanks good, for hopping man. on with me Thanks for having me. We'll see you later.